Amen. That was Gold City there with I Believe. Thank God I'm glad that as a child of God, you can believe in a blessed hope, the book, and the blood. 
And that's what we have to go on. If you've ever been born again, and if you've never been born again, let me tell you today that you can be saved by the grace of God. This is Brother Walter Terrell. Welcome to the Sowing and Reaping Audio Podcast. Hope and trust that this podcast is a blessing to all who are listening today. And uh, thank you so much for tuning in. And uh, I want to say, uh, 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 thank God that I'm saved. Amen. Well, let's look in the book of 1 Timothy today. And we're going to be reading 1 Timothy chapter number 1 and verses 18 through verse number 20. 1 Timothy chapter number 1, verse number 18 down through verse number 20. The Word of God says, This charge I commit unto thee, son Timothy, according to the prophecies which went before on thee, that thou by them mightest war a good warfare, holding faith and a good conscience, with some having put away concerning faith, having made shipwreck, of whom Hymenaeus and Alexander whom I have delivered unto Satan, that they may learn not to blaspheme. That's all I'm going to read for the sake of time this morning. May God add his blessings to the reading of the Word of God. I want to go back to verse number 19, and that's where I'll be taking my text from this morning, where the Word of God says, Holding faith and a good conscience, which some, having put away concerning faith, have made shipwreck. Have made shipwreck. You know, there are a lot of times when you think of the word shipwreck, you think of the Titanic. You know, it was on April the 10th, 1912, the ship known as the Titanic set sail from the harbor at Southampton, England. This 882-foot-long ship, ocean liner, was billed as being unsinkable. Among her was 2,228 passengers and crew, most of which paid thousands of dollars to board and sail this great ocean liner. Four days into the voyage, though, on April the 14th, of 1912, severe ice warnings were received for the area through which the Titanic was sailing. The warnings, of course, were ignored, and the Titanic maintained her course for New York Harbor. At 11.40 p.m., the Titanic struck an iceberg, and some of it, which couldn't be seen, is what did the damage, and she began to take on water at an alarming rate, and within three hours, the Titanic and 1,523 passengers were at the bottom of the Atlantic Ocean. Let me stop right there for just a minute. I'll read to you some more about it here in a, in a few moments, but you know, it, the iceberg is what struck the Titanic, and most of the damage was done underneath. Most of the damage was done by the iceberg that you could not see, the part of the iceberg that you could not see. 80% of it was underwater, while 20% of it was exposed. And, and so, ladies and gentlemen, it's like this. Uh, that thing which we cannot see a lot of times will hurt us in the long run. Uh, you know, the Bible says, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against... Uh, spiritual wickedness in high places. We can't see it. But for if we're not careful, we can be oppressed by it, especially for the child of God. But uh, let me tell you something else, too. Um, only 705 out of the 2,228 passengers survived that great shipwreck. And so since 1912, people have been trying to figure out what was it that sunk a so-called unsinkable ship. Well, it's a tragedy that could have been avoided had all the proper steps have been taken by Captain Smith and his crew. You know, physically speaking, yes, the iceberg hit them. But can I say also, as a matter of pride, they ignored, they ignored the warnings. They ignore every warning that came through to them. As a matter of fact, the uh, around 11.30, 11.34 p.m., um, the guy who was operating uh, the, the warning system at the time, he cut it off, went to bed. And so, yeah, a uh, matter of pride. 
And like I said, but because these steps were ignored, a tragic loss of life occurred on a cold night in the North Atlantic Ocean. Of course, that's just one of many shipwrecks, but it's mostly the wide, widest known. I said all that to say this this morning, that not all shipwrecks happen at sea. Not every shipwreck that we have happens at sea. A lot of them occur on dry ground. Our text speaks of spiritual shipwreck. It even records the names of two men in the early church that experienced this tragedy by the name of Hymenaeus and Alexandra. Most of us will probably never experience a shipwreck at sea, but there is great possibility of shipwrecking for all of us spiritually. In some ways, it is far more devastating than being wrecked at sea. So how do we avoid it? How do we avoid being in a spiritual shipwreck? Well, with that being said, I want to preach on that thought today, how to avoid spiritual shipwreck. How to avoid spiritual shipwreck. Let's look at verse number 19 for just a moment, and we'll see the reality of spiritual shipwreck. The latter part of it says, which some having put away concerning faith have made shipwreck. As I've already mentioned, uh, the Apostle Paul, he names two men who have shipwrecked, and we don't know much about these men, but they did become a problem for Paul and the early church. It is revealed in 2 Timothy 2, where it is said that Hymenaeus began to teach false doctrine, and Alexandra he caused much injury to the Apostle Paul in 2 Timothy 2, 17, and also 2 Timothy 4 and verse 14. Undoubtedly, everyone here could think of someone uh, who once walked with the Lord and now have had spiritual shipwreck in their life. As a matter of fact, as I'm talking about this right now, two or three people popped in my mind who at one time walked with the Lord, but now they're backslid on God and they probably are saved just as saved can be, but they're not in church. They're not serving God as they once did. It is all around us, unfortunately. And what we need to remember is that it can also happen to you and I. None of us are immune to it. And we are just as good of candidates to fall into sin as the next guy and make a spiritual shipwreck out of our lives. You know, we should not scoff or mock or make light at the dangers of becoming shipwrecked because it can happen to anyone, my friend. First Corinthians chapter number 10, verse number 12 says, Wherefore, let him that thinketh he standeth take heed lest he fall. So that's the reality of spiritual shipwreck. Secondly, today, we see the reason uh, for spiritual shipwreck. Back again in verse number 19, the latter part of that verse. The Apostle Paul now tells us the reason why these two men suffered shipwreck was because they put away the faith. It means to thrust or to push away. It is an intentional turning from truth to error. Hymenaeus rejected the true teaching of the faith and began to embrace false doctrine. For Alexander, it seems, he developed a mean spirit and began to work against the things of God. Both of them ended up in spiritual shipwreck because they pushed away the truth and they turned to error. And the same process takes place for folks within the church. For whatever reason, some who profess Christ as their Savior, they turn from truth to error. And my friend, what a sad testimony to have a spiritual shipwreck such as that in your life. And it's like this too. Um, we begin to fall away when we allow sin to go unchallenged. We begin to fall away when we seek to rationalize our sinful and backslidden condition. We begin to allow loopholes here and there, and before you know it, we are struck with an unseeable iceberg that rips a hole in us, and all of a sudden, my friend, you know what happens? We begin to sink. We begin to sink. And we sometimes can be like the frog in a hot kettle of water. You know, you put a frog in a kettle of cold water, set it on a hot stove out, and before you know it, the frog will sit there. As the water heats up, he begins to relax, 
because he's cold-blooded, he is oblivious to the temperature change in the water until it's too late. You know what happens? He's boiled to death. And friend, we are that way when sin begins to dominate our lives. We become oblivious and we become comfortable to the dangers ahead. And before you know it, it's too late. We're gone, sunk under uh, to something far from the truth. And sometimes tragedy can come to great ships when they are allowed to drift or when they are even overloaded. Also, things like torn sails, broken rudders can contribute to the demise of the ship. So I ask you this, look closely at your life. What are you allowing to, or what are you tolerating in your life that you know needs to go? Where have you slacked up? What have you ceased to do? What small changes have taken place in your life since the time you were closer to the Lord and on fire for Him? They can and will lead to shipwreck if they're not dealt with immediately. Thirdly, today we see the result of spiritual shipwreck. Verse number 20. Of whom is Hymenaeus and Alexander, whom I have delivered unto Satan, that they may learn not to blaspheme. For these two men, they were delivered unto Satan. Uh, this was the most extreme punishment for church people who went away from the Lord. They have been excommunicated from the protective umbrella of the church and have been delivered to Satan's hand to teach them humility, love for God, and obedience to his word. Now, that does not mean they lost their salvation, but... Uh, they were allowed to be persecuted by Satan. As a matter of fact, the Apostle Paul, that is what Paul commanded uh, the Corinthian church to do with a guilty member in their congregation. Uh, you can look at it in 1 Corinthians chapter number 5 and verse number 5. Uh, the Word of God says this. I'll, I'll read it to you real quickly. The Bible says, To deliver such a one unto Satan for the destruction of the flesh that the Spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus. Now, when a Christian is sinned, God uses Satan to punish him. The flesh does not refer to the body, but rather to the self-nature, which must refer to be destroyed, that is, put behind the believer. This may be done by the believer, allowing the Holy Spirit to control him, but if that is refused, God may allow Satan to have his way with a Christian until the self-life is dealt with. He does not become Satan's final property, however, but he wish he probably wished he'd never backslid on the Lord. Everyone needs to understand that no one sins in a vacuum. Sin has consequences. And according to Galatians chapter number six and verse number nine, you real you will reap what you sow. When a child of God allows sin to shipwreck their life, there are consequences to be had. Chastisement is assured. Death is a possibility, 1 Corinthians 5.5, 5, which is a premature grave. Loss of testimony, uh, loss of influence and usefulness, 1 Corinthians 9.27. Um, service lost, but not salvation. And friends, this was Paul's fear, and it should be our fear as well. God help us to be clean enough to use to reach others for his honor and for his glory. So is your present condition really worth all that it's costing you? Is it worth not being able to pray as you should? Having the right influence on your family and your friends or even your co-workers? Is it all worth it to become a spiritual shipwreck? Of course not. Therefore, thank God, my friend, can I say this this morning? There is a remedy. Uh, the remedy for spiritual shipwreck can be found in verse number 18 and verse number 19. Let me read that to you. This charge I commit unto thee, son Timothy, according to the prophecies which went before on thee, that thou by them 
by this war, good warfare, holding faith and a good conscience. Now, Paul lays out five-step plan or prescription that will recover us uh, from a spiritual shipwreck if we've already suffered from one and help us to avoid one if we haven't. Number one, it lies in following. Verse number 18, Paul tells Timothy that he has given him a charge and that he has a responsibility to obey his words. He has a duty to obey and carry out the orders of the Apostle Paul. The same is true for the child of God. The first steps in walking with the Lord is obedience to his will. You can talk, we can read about that in the book of James in chapter number one. The book of James in chapter number one and verse number uh, 22 through 25. I read this. James chapter number one, verse number 22 through 25. Well, you can read it at your leisure. I don't want to keep you uh, very long. Well, let's, let's go ahead and read it. Okay, let's just go ahead. Uh, the Bible says here, uh, but be ye doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. For if any be a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is likened to a man beholding his natural face in the glass. For he beholdeth himself and goeth his way, and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty, and continueth therein, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deed. And thank God, friend, there is a remedy. Our obedience to him proves we love him and that we are saved by the grace of God. And it, the remedy is that it allows him following. The remedy for spiritual shipwreck, it lies in fulfilling. The Apostle Paul, he uh, tells Timothy, or reminds Timothy rather, uh, of the prophecies that have been issued concerning uh, his life. He is to fulfill these prophecies through his life and ministry for the glory of God. You and I have been the object of divine prophecies as well. We've been told in Romans chapter number 8 and verse number 37, uh, the Bible says this, that nay and all these things were more than conquerors through him that loved us and that we can constantly walk in victory according to 1 Corinthians fifteen fifty-seven, We have been told that our faith in the Lord Jesus is key to overcoming everything in this life. 1 John chapter 5, verse number 4. And just as this charge was committed to Timothy, your life and mine has been charged as well. Our duty to Almighty God, our duty to church, our fellow man, and ourselves is for us to live our up to our potential in Jesus Christ. Many believers today are falling short of their God-given potential, and they can become something great for God only if they would live up to it. Our remedy uh, lies in following. It lies in fulfilling. It also lies in fighting. Timothy is reminded that he is not enlisted in the Lord's army to play on the playground. I say amen right there. He is reminded that the Christian life is a battleground. From the very moment a child of God or a believer comes to Christ in faith, they get in the middle of a spiritual warfare. Our enemies, the world, the flesh, and the devil, they try to cause us to become shipwrecked on the jagged rocks of sin. Thankfully, it is a battle that we can win if we use the spiritual resources provided by our, by our Heavenly Father. Recognize the nature of the battle, which is a spiritual fight. And I mean, you can look at that in Ephesians chapter number 6 and verse number 12. The remedy also, my friend, lies in not only fighting, not only in fulfilling, not only in following, but also in faith. Timothy is charged to hold the faith. It means to lay hold of a thing to possess or own for oneself. Paul is saying, Timothy, stand in truth and on the truth. Contend for the faith. 
defend the faith at all costs. Keep the doctrine of the church free from error and absolutely pure at all times. And friend of mine, we too are charged to get a good grip on the word of God and fight error tooth and nail. Truth is under attack in our day. Faith is under attack in our day. Churches and people in it have begun to move away from the doctrine. But my friend, we must stand in the faith to avoid spiritual shipwreck. Last of all today, let me say the remedy to avoid shipwreck, it lies in faithfulness. Not only in fulfilling, fighting, or or following, or faith, or even it also lies in faithfulness. Paul reminds Timothy of the value of a good conscience. Friend, we know that when we go against our conscience, we sometimes feel guilty, we feel shame, we feel remorse, we have fear, doubt, and insecurity. But what we do not often realize is that following our conscience may be one of the biggest mistakes that we will ever make. Why is that? Because so many confuse consciousness or conscious with feeling. The old bumper sticker says it, if it feels right, do it. Well, my friend, it's like this. That's why so many are shipwrecked today because of a feeling rather than a faith. God's word teaches us the right from wrong and a good conscience is not going by what we feel is right, but rather by what we know is right. Amen. It is a dangerous thing to operate on feelings apart from the word of God. Amen right there. Therefore, if you do what, let me say it like this. Curtis Hudson said one time, he said, Feelings come and feelings go and feelings are deceiving. But I put my faith in the word of God because nothing else is worth believing. Amen. Hey, my friend, let me tell you this. If that word of God, the King James Bible, was good enough to get saved by, it should be good enough to live by and to walk by in faith. Amen. Therefore, if you do what you think is right based on your conscience without a clear word from God, then friend of mine, you're headed for spiritual shipwreck. We better be careful operating on the mentality of this is what I feel or this is what I think. If we're not careful, if we are not careful, violation of a good conscience can become a seared conscience, making sin, making sin easier and repentance more difficult. First Timothy 4.2 says it like this, speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their conscience seared with a hot iron. Well, as I close today, let me put it this way. In 1912, the world was amazed with the Titanic. She was the most beautiful boat, decorated with all of the best that the world had to offer. People believed she had potential to return years of faithful service to her passengers and mountains of money to her owners. Yet, because of errors, some small and large, she began or she became a shipwreck and took many innocent lives with her. So. What would be said about your life today, my friend? Would you or would men be able to quote the words of Paul in 2 Timothy chapter number 4 and verse number 7? I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Can you quote that and apply that to your life? Or will your life stand as a memorial who veer off the course only to shipwreck upon the jagged reefs and rocks of sin? Yes, my friend, there's an iceberg with your name on it. And if you're unprepared when you arrive at its location, you will sink like a rock at the bottom of the ocean. But you can be more than a conqueror and you can arrive safely in the harbor of glory with your testimony intact. But the choice is yours. So let me ask you today, will you avoid spiritual shipwreck? Well, that's today's message. I thank God for the opportunity to... 
uh, be back on here today. And thank you all for tuning in and listening today. And if you have any questions, please uh, email me at waltzworld at triad.rr.com. Or you can uh, leave a voicemail through the anchor.fm uh, app or anchor app. And you can leave a voicemail there if you're listening. Uh, thank you so much for tuning in. Good day. God bless you. Have a great rest of your day just on purpose.